G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. This week, much of the world has been left wondering about the North Korean dictator Kim Jong-un, whether he was dead or alive. It was thought at one stage he was recovering after heart surgery and then the North Korean media scrambled to hose down reports death or illness and suggesting he was simply sheltering from COVID-19. Well, it prompts the question as a Christian believer, how do we think biblically when an evil dictator is reigning and importantly, what do we feel when an evil dictator dies? Bill Muhlenberg from Culture Watch has been grappling with this through the week. Bill's back with us. Hi, Bill. Welcome back to 2020. Great to be back. Bill, uh, not unusual uh, that Kim Jong-un might be in hospital and having had some heart surgery, uh, he's not renowned for having the cleanest good diet. Well, grossly overweight. Uh, What did somebody say? 300 pounds, chain smoker, wine drinking, uh, you know. Uh, you're a good candidate for heart disease and related health issues, and given how young he is as well, um, you know, this is, uh, he's not doing very well to be uh, living the lifestyle that he is, so uh, sure, it's uh, uh, no surprises if and when uh, somebody like that does uh, meet his maker. For some people, Bill, when they're seeing identities across the media and uh, global people, even like President Donald Trump, uh, befriending someone like Kim Jong-un, almost uh, an appealing, likable persona begins to develop. But I imagine that as a Christian, uh, you've got to be able to look at some of the bare facts here and make an assessment that may be different to what some of the headlines might promote. Yeah, well, it's, uh, you know, we live in a fallen world and there's on the one hand uh, biblical admonitions to pray for our leaders be submissive to government but on the other hand there's plenty of verses about you know uh not uh allowing evil in high places to go unchecked god is not pleased with evil and wicked rulers neither should we be So we certainly have our fair share of them, and the North Korean dictator would be one. I've written about many other such uh, really evil folks uh, who have either died or, in fact, been killed or taken out. Uh, You know, it could be a bin Laden or a Gaddafi or uh, the strong man of Iraq, Hussein, Saddam Hussein. Uh, and in fact, every time I do write about these, and I do quote some of those passages about, you know, rejoicing when righteousness is in place in a nation and, uh, you know, not uh, being all that thrilled when evil reigns, I'll get Christians uh, writing in and they'll pick one or two passages, which are, you know, important passages, uh, but they'll try to undo everything I've just said. So uh, we do need the biblical balance, as always, when we talk about the death of a dictator. 
Of course, as Christians, we can pick up the Bible. We can open various passages or oftentimes we focus in on particular verses. And in the context of where we are talking through maybe the whole of the Old Testament, the whole of the New Testament or the whole Bible, there is a whole lot more to consider when we talk about reflecting on those things theologically. And so when you establish that someone perhaps is an evil dictator, and let's put Kim Jong-un into that because for the last 18 years, North Korea has topped the world watch list as the worst persecutor of Christians in the world. How might we then think biblically, Bill? How do you start off the idea of assessing how you might approach a evil dictator from a biblical position? Yeah, well, again, uh, in the pieces I write, whenever this does happen, I well, my take is basically, great, I'm glad he's gone. I mean, I always qualify those remarks by saying, you know, hopefully he at least had a chance to maybe hear the gospel, presumably if he's been living such a horrific and evil and satanic life for so long, uh, you know, that might give you a good indication that he has rejected the gospel if he has heard it. So sure, we want everyone on the planet to hear the good news, but we know that not everybody will. Uh, whether Hitler ever heard the good news, I don't know. But uh, again, I'll get some critics who will say, oh, we should never uh, rejoice when any of these evil thugs like Hitler or Saddam or bin Laden die, uh, partly because they think we should let them live forever so they can hear the gospel. Well, come on, God knows how long we're going to live. He's given us as long as we need. He appoints the end of our days, so it's a kind of a weak argument to say we should hope everybody lives as long as they can. Uh, God has got that in control. And then, like I say, they'll sometimes throw out a passage like Ezekiel 18, where says, God is speaking, do I have any pleasure in the death of the wicked? And again, that's a fair enough passage. Uh, The point being, once again, God would like the wicked to turn from their evil ways. That's his preference. That's what he really likes when people come to the end of their rope, repent, turn from sin, come back to him. That's what he wants. But he also knows that not everybody will and so we do have, well, I've, I've been keeping a list of them, hundreds of passages that actually talk about God and his people rejoicing when some evil ruler or evil enemy of God or of God's people dies or is killed. They actually sing praise to God. They worship God. And there's so many examples in the Bible of this very thing. In fact, when we look at the way the exodus happened as the children of Israel came out of Egypt and they'd crossed the Red Sea, you've drawn attention to the fact that there was great praise and thanksgiving to God that that the enemies had been defeated. Yeah, well, absolutely. Again, the critics can try to pretend these passages don't exist, but there's hundreds of them. I mean, entire chapters devoted just to God's people, worshiping, glorifying God, singing His praises, rejoicing. Why? Because someone evil has been uh, taken out of the picture. So if you know your Bible, Exodus 14 gives us the story of Pharaoh being trounced along with his army in the Red Sea, and God delivered uh, Moses and the people in a miraculous fashion. But what do you find then in Exodus 15? 
the whole thing is, well, we, it's called, you might have a heading in your Bible, the Song of Moses and Miriam. They're both singing praises to God, and uh, again, you don't have to read far to see, gee, it sure seems like there's a place to give praise to God over what? The death of somebody evil. Uh, you know, you could, you, we could just quote some of those passages about uh, from Exodus 15. Sing to the Lord, he is highly exalted, both horse and rider, he's hurled into the sea. Uh, you know, the whole chapter, Exodus 15, is filled with that, and that's just one of numerous episodes, and again, not just in the Old Testament, but even in the New Testament as well. Of course, King David, another mm. great leader and one who would defeat the enemies of Israel. Again, uh, lots more praising God and rejoicing over the death of their enemies. Yeah, well, look, I mean, both in the narrative sections, you know, like books like Samuel and Kings, and in the Psalms, of course, David wrote so many of the Psalms, you just find this over and over and over again. You get David praising God as an act of worship, uh, presumably not out of line in any way. Uh, you know, so you get stuff like Second Samuel 22, where David says, I pursued my enemies and crushed them. I did not turn back until they were destroyed. All part of the lengthy uh, time of praise to God. And recall that the Psalms were basically songs sung in public corporate worship. So you'd have Tons of those kind of psalms as well. Again, many by David say, uh, Psalm 44, you gave us victory over our enemies. You put our adversaries to shame. In God, we make our boast all day long. We sing your praises forever. I mean, this is just found time and time again in the psalms. And so uh, those who are a bit squeamish about seeing the death of dictators, again, whether it's a Hitler today or Kim Jong-un, uh, well, you've got plenty of precedents in Scripture for this very thing. Of course, you've drawn attention to the death of Haman and the mm. whole book of Esther around yeah. that whole issue. But let's leave the Old Testament behind for a few moments because the New Testament, for some, holds a really great lot of weight. You've drawn attention to those revelations in the book of Revelation uh, when Christ judges the wicked. Yeah, well, sadly, it's too common for some Christians, certainly a lot of atheist critics, but some Christians to actually try to push the view that, well, you know, you've got a wrathful, angry God in the Old Testament, but when we get to the New Testament, we have Jesus, who wouldn't uh, kill a fly, you know, he's almost a tree-hugging hippie, he loves everybody, flowers in his hair. So there is a very wrong uh, understanding that somehow God in the Old Testament is different from the God of the New. Well, that's, you know, that's baloney. Anybody who actually studies the Bible knows that cannot be. First of all, God never changes. Uh, scripture declares over and over again. And we know that Jesus is God. So if you want to know what God is like in the New Testament, yes, you look at Jesus. So what do you do as you say when you get to a book like Revelation? We have some character there who's doing a whole lot of killing of enemies, of judging wicked people, wicked rulers. Uh, you know, we're reading images of uh, swords and robes uh, kind of drenched in blood. Uh, what is this and who is this? Well, it happens to be Jesus, the lamb that was slain. Now he was uh, seen as rightly judging, 
God's enemies, not just God's enemies, but the people of God's enemies, all of those that have been persecuting, killing, torturing Christians for the ages, now they finally are getting their just reward, their just punishment, and it's Jesus Christ himself who does this. And once again, you'll see judgment tied in with praise and worship, some of the greatest sections of worship in the book of Revelation come just after we get some fairly graphic descriptions of God and Christ judging the enemies and, uh, you know, slaying them where they're found, uh, the whole range of plagues, earthquakes, and you name it. And then we see these massive times of praise and worship in heaven because of those very judgments. So, yeah, again, we keep the biblical balance in perspective. We want to see the lost get saved. We want to see even somebody as horrible as a Hitler, you know, respond to the gospel. But we should also equally rejoice when God administers justice, when justice is seen to be done, when all evil is punished, when all righteousness is rewarded. That is the Christian hope, and that's where we're all heading to at some point, where God does set all the records straight. So uh, if we keep that biblical balance, we can both pray for somebody like the North Korean dictator, but as I said in my piece, we can even pray prayers like this, God improve or remove him. And I do list some passages from the Bible that gives us reason to pray that. God, either get this guy saved and help him to stop his evil ways, or you're quite able to move him out of his position of power. So I think both prayers are fully biblical. Bill, in our digitally connected global world and the prevalence of propaganda from everyone, whether they're leading from one country or another. There's a certain sense in which the lines become blurred over who's good and who's evil. There's an interesting aspect in all of this because somehow or other these blurred lines tend to make us think that even those that we might as Christians class as evil dictators, some people are seeing as good. I suspect though when you've got Christians who are in some ways manipulated by that propaganda, sometimes we've just got to come back to the Scriptures to be able to see what God says. And as you reflect on those things from the Old Testament and the New, uh, bring a balance to understand how we might respond to an evil dictator. Uh, Bill, great talking to you as always. And uh, there might be listeners who might want to have a read of the sorts of things you've been writing about and on this topic that we've been talking about when it comes to evil dictators. The name of your piece is called How Should Believers Think About the Death of Evil Dictators? Simply go to BillMuhlenberg.com or you can Google Culture Watch, one word. Bill, thanks for updating us once again today on 2020. Always a pleasure. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.